Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And this is, we're up into the 90s of our episodes now, episode 94. And my name is Jordan Levine, Chief Economist and Vice President here at the California Association of Realtors. And I'm joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our Deputy Chief Economist. Hey, Oscar. Hey, Jordan. Hi, everyone. It's... uh, been a busy couple of weeks and lots happened. So I, I think Absolutely. we have a lot to cover. And, and, you know, I think even as, as we've seen a lot of changes out there, we're still ultimately pretty optimistic. So don't, don't panic, but we will talk through a lot of the, <laughs> the dynamics that are happening out there because last week we just got our first Fed rate hike in a very long time. So we're going to talk about rates for sure. And the implications of that, we're going to talk about the housing numbers, which we put out uh, about two days before they raised rates or a day before and, and, and seeing how some of that kind of expectation plays out. And then talking a little bit about what the, the future looks like, what's going on with supply, what's going on with new construction, what's going on with uh, consumers and consumer sentiment and, and kind of everything else that's happening happening at the macro level, but we would be remiss if we didn't start by talking about the Fed, right, Oscar? Absolutely. You know, what happened last week was, of course, I think I don't think a lot of people were surprised that they, the Federal Reserve raised rate, rate but you know, still, it's something that uh, hasn't happened since, what, December 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So the stock market even liked it. Right. It went up the day they raised rates. So but, you know, it is uh, it is still significant because I think it marks the the kind of transition towards this this fight towards inflation. Absolutely. I mean, they raised it by uh, uh, 0.25% or 25 basis point, which, of course, I think some people may think that the Fed could go a little bit more aggressive, but they stuck with, you know, 25 basis point for now because, you know, of all this uncertainty that uh, we're seeing. But in the language, they did, you know, give us a a, a, uh, sort of a preview of what's going to happen in the next uh, rest of the year or in uh, 2023 and 2024 also. Right. And, and, you know, it's all about kind of gaming the, the expectations and that's why the markets liked it. Right. Cause they didn't go to tor- towards that kind of um, more aggressive side of, of what they could have done at this particular meeting. But, you know, we've got six more meetings this year and, and they said they were going to raise rates at every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course they said, you know, raise probably raised every single one of them, but of course they did not say anything about how much they're right. going to raise. Right. They're, they're, they're keeping, you know, some, some, some room for, uh, you know, in case they need to go a little bit more aggressive. Right. Yeah. So they're leaving that, that door open. And if you look at the kind of the, the projections of where they think rates need to be right they're they're significantly higher than what they are now, the expectations across the board, even amongst some of the more, um, shall we say, dovish governors, right, and voting members, the, the, the kind of estimates are still pretty high for where they want to take rates ultimately. Right, right. I think, uh, you know, if you just think about it, you know, six times, six more times this year, you know, even when we're looking at about, what, around 25 basis point each time, right. we're looking at another, you know, uh, 150 basis point. 
Right, which takes the the you know target rate somewhere into the two percent range, and mm-hmm. and could potentially go higher if they do another seventy five basis points throughout the course of next year, uh, as as well. So it's not un, unthinkable that we get kind of into that mid two, uh, even three percent range for for target rates at some point over the course of the next couple of years. Right, and and even today, you know, you and I both have a chance had a chance earlier today to listen in on, um, you know, the Fed chairman. I think uh, it's his first Hall. speech, actually. It, yeah, since I believe so. It. Maybe, yeah, I think so. And you know, he re- reiterated, you know, that yes, they are going to, you know, fight fight inflation, and they will do, you know, what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, of course, again, that's leaving a lot of room. Yeah, and I think again they're really walking that tightrope because he said, you know, towards you know, still I think they're talking about slowing the pace of growth in the broader economy, not you know, stopping the economy from growing and pushing us into a recession. And again, that's that kind of needle that they're having to thread because the yield curve has has declined, and you know, they've still got this this kind of ongoing challenge with inflation that that's mm-hmm. one of their um, core core mandates, but it also, you know, amidst all the geopolitical and other stuff happening in the macro environment that we're going to discuss, it, it raises the level of uncertainty out there. And so, you know, Absolutely. they're, they're kind of, they're in a precarious position as it were to really, to really kind of walk that line. It's very tough. Yeah. It's very tough to predict, you know, what's going on, you know, let alone, let, you know, even if you look at the economy, inflation, that's uh, hard, you know, hard to predict. But right. when you add in those geopolitical pressure, geopolitical tension, you know, that makes it even tougher. And we're coming out of a period of tremendous structural change, too, with COVID and all of that and where people live mm-hmm. and work. So there's just, you know, a lot of, lot of variables um, out there. But ultimately, you know, I think, again, that it means that we can expect rates to um, continue to, to rise. And, and if you look at rates for consumers, they um, continue to go up, especially in mortgage rates, which in the Freddie Mac number has been behind for, for weeks and weeks compared to what you see getting quoted uh, in the marketplace. But even the Freddie Mac number finally went up to 4.16 last week. So. Right. Uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised, surprised, but uh, it's it's finally surpassing the 4%. So um, it's hard. And, and if you look at some of the daily numbers, you know, it's even higher. Uh, the question, of course, is whether it's going to continue to climb up or not. I haven't had a chance to look at today's number, but, you know, I think uh, the 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 market has already taken into consideration what happened, you know, with the uh, the the what the Fed did. Yeah. Um, so. And, yeah, yeah and I think no, I, actually, I think you know, there's in some ways it's more than baked in, or at least they're you know the the long end of the the, the yield curve has gone up even more. I think the spread last time I checked on on thirty year compared to ten year bonds is about two hundred basis points, and that's about mm-hmm. thirty five basis points higher. Than what it normally is. Usually, it's in the like 160 to 170 uh, range in terms of you know you can just tack on 170 basis points or so to a 10-year note, and that that gets you right about where mortgage rates are, um, and and that gap has opened up even even wider. So I do think some of this is is preloaded, but I do think we'll probably continue to see that that upward pressure. Yeah, and and now of course you know this all happens you know the 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 surge in interest rate we have been seeing some increase in interest rates you know but the last 
few weeks or so, we uh, have been seeing you know a more significant increase in interest rates. Now, those may not actually have uh, affected you know the housing market as much, especially for the February sales, because right. we did have a pretty uh, solid you know sales level in February, despite the fact that it might show a decline compared to a year ago, which was yeah. very very high. Sure. But if you look at how it compares to the pre-pandemic level and how prices have reacted to you know the demand that we're seeing um it's it's you know it's it's in a way uh kind of assuring us that the market is uh pretty um strong still or solid definitely i agree i agree i think on the you know it's on it's a kind of um you know on the one hand on the other hand kind of a Mm -hmm. story in february because we are down like you said 8.2 percent but on on the other hand we're still running a 425,000 unit pace more or less which is much better than even you know most of the preceding decade leading into the pandemic and so that's that's like an objectively good number still which i think and even though we didn't have the full impact of the rate hike and finally being above four um, percent rates had already risen pretty substantially by February from where they were at the beginning of 2021. And so I think that, you know, it's it's still a testament to the strength of the market ultimately that we haven't seen sales contract uh, even more. And I think you see that when you look at prices too, right? That mm-hmm. it's, it's not for a lack of appetite um, for housing. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be seeing these double digit increases. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, compared to you know, the months leading up to the uh, the pandemic, uh, the COVID situation, you know, 18 or 19, we're averaging about what, 400 thousand ish or so on a monthly right. basis compared to the 420 some that we're seeing right now and it's really reflected in price um no, we have we're, we're sort of accustomed to seeing a double digit gain in, on a year over year basis yeah but you know from a january to a february typically we see you know a little bit of a softening uh before r- ramping up in terms of you know month to month gain That's but kind this of the month end of winter time right frame. Right. But this month, you know, this February this year, we are actually seeing an improvement uh, from the very first month of the year. So that suggests to me that, yes, supply is definitely in play, you know, and we still have a lot of demand. And we have talked about this before this year, two years, next couple of years or so, a lot of um, people in the 26 to 36 or whatever their age group is, is coming onto the market and there will be a lot of demand. Right. Yeah. And and so I think that, you know, especially as the the outlook for rates, as we just mentioned, is probably for them to be higher in the future mm-hmm. than they are uh, right now. I think that that will also keep buyers motivated who are, um, you know, right. on the fence to, to kind of stick with it, or at least that's my advice to, to our members and to their clients, right, is that we're, we're looking at facing probably ongoing price, you know, upward pressure on prices, and you're going to have to pay higher rates. And so that should kind of keep you motivated, even as we see a lot of buyer fatigue and things like that to kind of um, stick with it. But but the, the pending sales numbers are are going down. So we know that at least some people are being priced out or that that buyer mm-hmm. fatigue is is kind of um, setting in. And I think, again, it's it's and, and we kind of start to sound like a broken record, but it really is <laughs> down to the supply side. Right. Because it is. That, I think it that's is still discouraging. I mean, it is. I mean, we are ramping up into the spring home buying season. Right. So. 
we are seeing some improvement in supply, but you know, compared to what we used to see, say year two years ago, you know, pre-pandemic level, you know, it's still very very low, and that's why we're seeing those, you know, upward movement in in price. Um, but you know, it is showing a little bit more movement in in supply now. I think you know part of it could be because people realize, okay, well, you know, this is a uh, rates are rising, so uh, people also. Now, many of those sellers, they're also buyers, right? right? So, you know, they do want to sell at, you know, at a high price so that they can, but at the same time, they want to lock in the low rates if they want to buy also. So we may be seeing a little bit more. And when I said a little bit more, I meant a little bit more, not a whole lot more supply coming onto the market because it's still kind of tight. Um, but active listing is climbing uh, a little bit. I think it's the highest in the last three months. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are seeing some newly added listings in February also. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's actually, it did drop a little bit, but it's actually the smallest drop that we have seen since August. Yeah. And, and you know, may, hopefully we'll get some of that thaw. And again, it's a good time not just to buy or sell, right? But if you're going to move and you're going to live somewhere for a long time, then it makes sense to do that while the getting is good as it were uh, with with the interest rates and i think that um you know the fact that we had more homes added to the mls last month than we actually closed for the first time in a in a very long time is a positive sign even though you know we didn't see a big increase on a year to year basis and we're still below you know where we where we would normally be in a in a kind of february that that's at least one kind of positive sign that we we can maybe think about being optimistic about the spring market as it comes to home showing up on the on the MLS but I think we've still got you know it's important to keep in mind that we still got a, a long way to go and so I think it's you know very important to kind of have those conversations with buyers and to really you know kind of set that expectation and make sure that they're ready to kind of dig their heels in and hunker down because it is still going to be a competitive environment out there it is it is and at the same time you know of course we are also seeing it's not just just uh homeowners putting their house up on the market of course you know if we can get some additional uh supply from uh builders from developers they'll be nice too Absolutely. And it looks like they are building a little bit more. Uh, it could be because of, you know, the lumber prices or maybe, you know, some of the material costs might have come down a little bit in the last yeah. couple of months. Um, yeah. They are showing, you know, a, a rebound in February to the strongest pace actually since 2006. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we, which is what we desperately need. This is national numbers. It's important to, to point out, but it does at least speak to some of the supply chain mm -hmm. challenges that we're holding back um, construction. And like you mentioned with the, the lumber and things like that, I, I think California still got a long way to go right. and how much of that was actually kind of groundbreaking happening here in, in California is, is another consideration, but there's, you know, I, I think that that's the other side of the supply issue because not only do we need existing home sellers to move and put their homes on the MLS, but we got to constantly be uh, backfilling that that pipeline of of new homes, and it also generates a tremendous amount of economic activity. And so this is just another kind of piece of the recovery that <laughs> that has yet to fully kind of resume. Even though we did have good growth and probably um, some of the best permit numbers in a decade, they were still depressed by any objective standard. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, the other part of it also is even though, you know, things may not be uh, as high as what we want it to be, I think it might have improved some of the uh, confidence right. and, and developers. And that, you know, is a uh, positive step, you know, right in the right direction. Um, but and of I course, think it speaks to this, this housing demand that, that mm -hmm. they kind of are keying into and, can, and everybody can read in the kind of resale uh, marketplace with all the competitiveness. And so, you know, again, I think that the ingredients are are there. And as we start to peel back on some of those transitory effects that that hopefully we'll we'll see California post another gain in, in mm -hmm. construction this year um, as as well. But until then, right, it's it means that we've still got the kind of twin the twin challenges of both rising home prices and now um, rising interest rates, which is kind of the one two punch when it comes to housing affordability. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the bottom line uh, we always talk about is if, when you see, you know, uh, supply constraint, you see home prices continue to increase. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the uh, 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 household income you know, is not increasing as fast. And right. so that caused a lot of affordability issue. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the uh, housing affordability getting to about 25%, um, which, you know, if you flip it around, as we always like to take a look at, that means 75% of the people cannot afford to buy a median price. Exactly. Now, keep in mind the fourth quarter, we were still, and then, then the number that I just gave you, you know, that's the fourth quarter number, which, you know, has a interest rate below 3%. You know, this year, uh, in 2022, it's going to get a little tougher as far as the affordability issue goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that you're talking about needing a, a significant kind of income and take home pay of almost 150 grand a year right. to be able to afford that, that median priced home. And that was, you know, a, a, a number that was kind of still benefiting from pretty low rates at that time. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, since then, of course, things have uh, increased uh, quite a bit more as far as interest rate is concerned. You know, when you add on that increase in interest rate and then the, uh, the increase in, in um, prices, we're looking at around 20% uh, higher, 20% uh, higher uh, in mortgage payment increase, which is not a small amount. Right. Uh, yeah. Which means unfortunately, wages are not going up by by twenty percent. We that have much. even bigger uh, inflation problems, I guess. Definitely, and and I think that's one of the reason why you know in the last couple months we have been seeing you know a little bit of a drop in um, the housing sentiment, but at the same time, I think the overall consumer sentiment also has kind of dropped a little bit because of multiple factors. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's, there's kind of the, just the affordability piece, right. Mm -hmm. Where if you, you know, stuff's really expensive then that kind of weighs on, on the public zeitgeist. But then, you know, I think that just, especially as housing costs are such a big piece, the housing market itself ends up playing in. I, I remember for a while talking about supply chain issues and how a lot of that stuff is going to go away. And I think we've seen that <laughs> in both the broader inflation numbers where, you know, car prices have started to moderate a little bit. Right. You mentioned the lumber prices, which were through the roof, have started to, to open up and moderate um, a little bit. But then, you know, we see housing and wage pressures kind of taking the place of those 
um, you know, those previous kind of more transitory sources of inflation that were more a result of, of the pandemic. But I thought, you know, and actually the Fed chairman today has had a really interesting chart where he showed the number of, of people either, um, you know, or the number of jobs or job openings added together. And then he compared that to the number of people that were working or looking for work. And one had fully recovered. The number of jobs and job openings is at like an all-time high level, but the number of people who are working or, or want a job is, is yet to fully rebound. And so there's just this incredible... Um, you know, kind of structural shift happening out there and, and all of this stuff. And, and I think that when you lump that on with kind of everything that's happening in the rest of the world, there's just kind of all kinds of, of variables out there. And, and, you know, it, it ultimately, it hits people. And I think the, the typical consumer really hard when it comes to inflation. And I think that's like a, a big source of it. And that's, you know, both because of macroeconomic policy, but also geopolitical stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of good th things going on, you know, the inflation issues, you know, geopolitical tension, those are, you know, affecting consumers, uh, uh, their sentiment. And you can also see that, you know, in the stock market fluctuation, we right. have seen, you know, the stock market Very volatile. You know, pretty volatile yeah. in the last few weeks. Um, it's started off with inflation, of course, concern about inflation, and then it added on with the geopolitical tension, which also push up, you know, energy prices at the same time. Um, and by the and, way, I filled up my truck yesterday uh, <laughs> when I took my kid down to Santa Maria over the weekend and, and I had to pay almost $200 and wow. so you, you feel it right. You know, where the rubber meets the road on those consumer pocketbooks. And I think it's just kind of symptomatic of, of the, the pressures that everybody's facing and how that really, um, you know, kind of drives people into a more, pessimistic mentality right and i think that it you know you don't you don't want to go out and drive around as much and i think that will kind of especially together with the higher rates may have the the kind of impact of of cooling off some of that consumer spending and you know we see the retail still going up but once you take that inflation out it doesn't look quite as good as as the headline number would suggest I think this is again, you know, the uh, you know, as an economist, we you know the 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 uh, analysis that we do. On the one hand, you know, people see that yes. okay, well, there is a lot of you know, gas prices are really really high. You know, should I actually go out and spend the money? But at the same time, you know, we know that you know, COVID situation has come down, come back down. You know, there are services sectors, there are places where I want to go. Right. So. You know, even though we are seeing from the retail sales number, as you said, you know, okay, it inched up a little bit. It's encouraging, 0.3%. But when you take into account those, you know, inflation, whether it be food, whether it be, you know, energy, you know, it just shows that the real stuff, the real uh, retail sales number uh, actually could have gone down slightly compared to a month ago. And, you know, this, I think consumers continue to struggle. You know, should I expand more? Should I go out more? Because now I can go out and do more stuff. But it's just more expensive. It's just, you know, a lot more expensive than, you know, let's say six or months ago or a year ago. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that, you know, it's it's it kind of has the curbing effect, because like you said, once you take the inflation out of the picture, right, that people are actually buying less stuff. Right. And so even though we're getting relatively rosy headline um, numbers and, and that kind of ultimately brings us to to the kind of pocketbook issue of inflation which is you know running at basically 
seven percent still and and again even as strong as as kind of average wage growth is you can see that that the seven percent average is really um kind of comprised of uh you know much higher pressures in in some places particular housing yeah and and you know the latest number 7.9 you, you would think well, probably three three months ago, four months ago, we would think, okay, well, 7.5 is probably topping. Right. You know, topping out, peaking. Out. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks like, you know, even with the 7.9% that we saw last month, even that may actually not be the peak. Right. It looks like. Because I didn't um, have my $7 gas prices in there yet. <laughs> right. It was probably $6, but yeah. probably not 7 Right. So, you know, it, we may have to, unfortunately, uh, it's hard for me to break the news, but it looks like we might have to endure uh, uh, inflation a little longer, um, maybe past, you know, the first quarter. Uh, yeah. Maybe starting in the second quarter, it really depends on, I think I, I reiterate some of the, uh, you know, Fed governors, what they said this morning, it really right. depends on how long and how uh, uh, deep the uh, the geopolitical tension is going to be, you know, we don't know how long it's going to last, and that's going to have an effect on inflation, that's so going to have an effect on energy prices and, you know, other things too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it, you know, they're, I don't envy uh, the Fed right now, because again, they're trying to really walk that tightrope between, you know, fending off some of this inflation. And I, I admit that, you know, in, I just, the, the kind of that, and I think the chairman touched on it really brilliantly in his analysis of just that kind of labor market shortage, that structural shift where people are not going back to work and that creating this whole second wave of inflation beyond the supply chain stuff where, you know, workers are kind of in the driver's seat when it comes to negotiating right now with all of that, uh, all of those job openings and not enough people getting, and I think, you know, when you dig under the hood and Julia Coronado uh, did an amazing presentation on that as well, but she talked about childcare issues. She talked about like caretaking for sick uh, family members and all of these things playing a much bigger role that are keeping people from going back to work. And I think, you know, just in addition to the flexibility and the remote work and stuff like that, I think that, you know, it, it still remains to be seen how, how quick or, or even if all of those folks will eventually rejoin the labor force. And that, that is, I think, why we lowballed our inflation estimate, and maybe why rates are going to end up going up um, a little bit faster. But, you know, the one, I think, good, good thing out there is that even as we have more macroeconomic uncertainty, and that we'll probably see inflation persist a little bit um, longer as the labor market remains so tight, is that at least the kind of public health situation um, and knock wood for this new variant that's happening out in Europe right now. But so far, California and, and the U.S. overall has really shown some pretty dramatic improvements in, in the pandemic. Yeah, I think we have improved quite a bit. You know, of course, at least for the state of California and the U.S., um, we've improved quite a bit. Uh, service sectors are opening up uh, or about to open up a little bit more. Uh, to 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 people who have been you know saving their money and you know want to go out and spend their money and you know uh, do gatherings and things like that. Number of cases have dropped to you know a, a pretty significant level. Um, we have positivity rate dropped down below two percent. Uh, and although most know, people are home testing now, <laughs> right? That's true. That's true. And and you mentioned yes, yeah, the the new variant. Uh, it's the Omicron B B two or B A two, whatever the new name is. Um, we know that it's letters. spreading a little faster compared, even spreading faster than the Omicron variant, right. but uh, the severity is not as high. 
Uh, although, of course, I said, you know, in California and U.S., uh, it does have, have it does have some impact at the, um, you know, in, in China and and, um, and in Hong Kong and in Europe. Right. That actually have a little bit of impact on the um, the inflation side, believe it or not, because they have to shut down some of the uh, yep. uh, factories. You get more, so, more of those supply chain issues coming. Back right. Here. Right. So, you know, going back to the supply chain issue, even though, you know, the demand side here in, 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 in California, because of COVID being a little bit better, we can go out and spend. But that supply issue is still around because we are, you know, a global let's face it you know we are in a global economic situation right. you know it's you know if one part of the world is affected we're all affected absolutely yeah so yeah and uh and and so again just the the kind of moral of the story is that there's still a lot of uncertainty but most of the arrows kind of point point towards um you know ongoing inflation at least to the extent that that the fed will have to continue to kind of make good on you know at least a few of their promises to continue to raise rates which means that we'll probably see um, shorter term rates continue to rise we'll see longer term rates probably continue to rise and the daily numbers suggest that uh, as well but at the same time we've got a housing market that's more important to people than ever before and this kind of renewed passion for home ownership and so we've got this kind of crazy juxtaposed market where there's a lot of headwinds out there and a lot of uncertainty um, but a lot of of kind of good reasons for folks to be in the housing mm -hmm. market too and a, and a lack of inventory and so we have those kind of structural dynamics button up against these cyclical things happening but you know ultimately we're still relatively optimistic when it comes to our forecast right that we're not going to fall off a cliff in terms of uh home sales at least not not yet and and that there's still that upward pressure on prices and even in our weekly data we see that to this to this day so um just you know again something that you're going to want to be that market expert and keep your nose on the data mm -hmm. right and, and make sure that you stay on top of all of those trends what else can they do yeah, I mean, you know, we just have to remind people that there are headwinds. You know, it's 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 a challenging year as we recovered from all these things. Um, and, you know, the uncertainty about geopolitical tension is always uncertain, you know, a lot of time. Um, you know, we're seeing it today. Um, so we just, uh, uh, you know, we, we know that the, the bottom line is we know that the economy is still uh, has a, a pretty strong. And so we do have a buffer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there is, there is risks out there. It's not going to be a housing led downturn this time around. Right. We did a lot of strong underwriting. We had a lot of folks who just put money down and, and a lot of people who have home equity now that's going to prevent them from needing to foreclose or, or, you know, get NODs and, and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, if something happens to the broader economy and that deteriorates from an unexpected source, whether it's another uh, outbreak of the pandemic or a war or what have you, then, you know, we're still always uh, vulnerable. But based on the data that we see now, we're still um, cautiously optimistic. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, did we miss anything that we should have said before the next one? I think we covered pretty much everything. And of course, uh, you know, there have, there will always be, you know, things that pop up, you know, right after we finish the podcast and uh, we'll, we'll try to be, uh, you know, as we'll try to cover those, uh, uh, yeah, do more often with our podcast and keep you guys posted. Uh, yeah. But I think we covered, you know, everything that we need to cover. Yeah. If we learn more, then we'll make sure that you do too. So uh, until the next one, thank you so much for joining us for episode 94 and, uh, and we'll see you again. See ya.